In today's episode, we're taking you behind the scenes and explaining how you can create and sell a four-week program to help more people and increase your income. Welcome to JFDI with the two Lauras. This show is sponsored by our lovely friends over at Agora Pulse. We've just finished wrapping up our latest four-week program, the 5K Kickstart, and we thought it would be useful to share how we built that and how we delivered it so that you can create a program following a similar structure for your people. Now, this wasn't our first rodeo. We have been creating and delivering courses for years, and our first joint program was conceived in 2019, which feels like a whole lifetime ago now. We've had over 4,000 people go through our program, so I think it's fair to say we know what works and what doesn't. So in this episode, we are not holding anything back. We're going to talk about why we opted for a four-week program, how we mapped it out, and the tech that you can use to create and deliver something similar. Keep listening until the end because we're also going to give you a list of some brilliant tools that will help you get this started. Right, so Laura, let's start off by discussing what our four-week program was. So it was called the 5K Kickstart, and we're just now, um, just coming out the end of it. Um, we're in February at the moment. So what was it? So the 5K Kickstart was, funnily enough, a way to help people kickstart their way to reaching 5K. Um, and over four weeks, we talked about all sorts of things to help freelance social media managers, ads managers, anyone sort of in that marketing space to go from wherever they are now in their income to hitting 5K. And we covered a lot, didn't we? Yeah, we did. It was quite full on, but feedback so far has been good. You know, I think we've, over our years of experience, we've managed to learn how much you can do and not do and what you can expect of people you know because we're all busy people aren't we we're all trying to run our own businesses and they've got busy lives so it was full on but I think it was it was all good yeah definitely if you want to go and find out about this program by the way before we start talking about how we delivered it um, just go over to the twolauras.com forward slash 5k we'll put that link in the show notes as well and that will explain to you exactly what the program was about. And if you're interested in it, then obviously you can get on the waiting list for the next round. But let's talk about then why we decided, because we've run various different programs. They've all been varying different lengths. We've done 12 weeks, we've done eight weeks. This one was four weeks. Um, so let's just talk a little bit about why we did that, why we opted for four weeks. It's not just because we're lazy. <laughs> No, but I do think you've got to take into account how it impacts on you. And, and certainly just from a selfish perspective, run certainly when we've run things over 12 week periods, it's a long, long time. And when yeah. we deliver programs, we're all in. Like it's everything we do, it kind of consumes us. And actually that can be really exhausting. Um, but And if we were just doing that, if that was our only thing, then that's fine. But as you all know, we have other courses, we've got memberships, we've got other things in our business that need our time. So we weren't, um, we weren't prepared to kind of go all in for a 12 week. And we don't think in this particular course needed that, but it was long enough to, to make an impact. It was long enough for us to be able to go kind of into enough detail to help people take those steps so the perfect from my perspective and from our perspective as a business it was the perfect amount of time and and I think also we've noticed over the years of doing these various length courses four weeks is a good time to, 
that you can keep someone's attention. Um, and I think this is across the board. I think we've heard this from various other external people as well about the drop off of people who maybe attend things live, um, you know, because life does unfortunately get in the way for some people. So um, from keeping people's attention and keeping people um, turning up and taking action was very much key to, well, it's very much key to a lot of what we do, but because we wanted it to be delivered in a way that people could actually take action and actually make some change, not just sit and listen to us teach something and then go away and not do anything about it. Um, And that certainly seemed to be the case. We were having fairly similar numbers. People turn up every single week, um, which was brilliant. Like we didn't see any kind of noticeable drop off. So that's why we did it. Yeah. And I think it's important to say as well that things have changed a lot over the years, haven't they? Like pre-pandemic, an online course could be long. There weren't that many courses out there to choose from. We weren't distracted as much as we are now. These days, there's so many distractions around. And if we want people to be able to take action and get wins when we're training things on a program, we need to take into account what else they are doing and what else they're being distracted by. And so if you're thinking about doing a program yourself, then four weeks is a nice amount of time, as Laura said, to kind of get into the meat of it, but without overwhelming people and without them dropping off because you want people to to get something from what you're teaching them. You don't want them to come out of it feeling disappointed because they haven't managed to complete it. That's the worst thing. But also, and you may have touched on this a little bit, anything that takes a long period of time and a lot of focus we found like, obviously Laura said that we've got memberships, we've got other courses and stuff, but we've also got our marketing to do. We've got a podcast to deliver. And there's all the things that bring in revenue to the business. And if our, if your eyes are off the ball for a long period of time, you stop bringing money into your business. And if you are working with management clients and you're also delivering a program over 12 weeks, that's a long time. So just think about like what works for you in terms of time, I think. Um, but yeah, four weeks is is a nice amount of time. It's not too hard to create a program for four weeks, I don't think. No, I think it's manageable. Yeah. So let's talk then about how we structured it, because I think this would be really useful if you are thinking about doing a program like this yourself, because I think you could very easily follow how we structured it and do this yourself. Um, oh. This program was delivered live, wasn't it, this time? doesn't mean that it will be delivered live again. We've made sure that how we structured those lessons was in a way that the replays were usable for people who couldn't attend live, but also so that we can use those replays. So that's something to really think about when you're planning your lessons um, for future students. You might not want to run it live again. You might have great content in the course, but it just might drain you to deliver it. Yeah. So you might want to get it in front of people and not not do it live again. Yeah, you might want that choice, um, Mm. which is what we want. We want to be able to have the choice that if we want to run it live again in whatever period of time, then we can. But actually, if we'd prefer to not and just to put it together as a self-study course, for example, then we, we now, because of how we've structured it, have the opportunity to be able to do that should we wish. Or obviously, we might just want a combination of those that people can have that choice throughout the year, depending on what we're offering at that time. So um, do think ahead about what you want to do from that perspective and whether the replays are going to be not just useful for your students, which obviously should be a paramount part of it, but also how you can utilise those again going forward. Yeah, definitely. One thing we also did is we did um, a Q&A each week 
that we delivered this. And we decided to do this Q&A at the end of the live calls. And we could have separated them out and had separate calls, but then obviously that requires you to show up again. It also requires your students to show up again at another time. And if you separate them out, often they've forgotten what their questions were at the point that they had them, haven't they? So I think having them at the end of those calls is a really good um, time to have them. But how we've done it is by having them the, all of the questions at the end of the training rather than answering them as we go through, we can edit those videos and we can crop those Q&As out and have those as a separate playlist for people who are watching replays in like a, you know, six months, however long in, adva- in, in the future. And they will still be useful because the questions will be relevant to everyone who's watching them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think another thing that we introduced into this course, which has gone down well, is worksheets. Um, Now, don't get me wrong, I've been on courses before where they give you worksheets and it's kind of, they're just like a token gesture. They're not... Mm. Um, it's just a worksheet for the sake of having a worksheet, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Or, and essentially that worksheet sheet is a, a great big blank piece of paper that says make your notes <laughs> yeah. here. And it's um, got a logo on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we we didn't that so that's not what we we mean by workshops for this particular course. We um well for, to be fair for any of our courses, we wouldn't do that. But we wanted a way for people to take action, make decisions, or um, make note of key things that were important to them, which were going to help them make decisions as they move through the program, but also afterwards, rather than people just sit through a training and just kind of, you know, consume it, but not really give it the time that it's needed to actually be able to take action based on fact, take action based on things that you've been able to kind of make note of and move forward with. Um, so the worksheets were well received, it seems. Everyone seems to be using those. You can often find if you are, especially on if it's on a Zoom, you're kind of passively listening, aren't you? And when mm. you passively listen, you zone out and you don't take things in. So by having these worksheets, it meant that people who were listening, but they were also reading, they were also writing. But we also built in specific periods, didn't we, during these lessons where they would actually get the worksheet and do the work. And that, I think, made a big difference on this course. I I think we would definitely do that again um, if we were going to redo this course. If we were starting from scratch, that's something we would definitely put in again. That that really helped, I think. Yeah. I'd recommend it for sure. And the other thing we did is that we made it easy to take action afterwards. So quite often when you go on a course, they'll someone will throw a load of information at you, tell you to go and get on with it and that's it. And you're just expected to go and do it. But we made it easy to take action by giving resources. We gave an Asana board with all of the different tasks for each week so that people could literally just go in. They would have a task in their Asana that they can crack on and do, tick off of their to-do list jobs are good in. But we also gave additional resources so that if there was things that we didn't have time to go into in the live training, or that some people would know, but others might not know, but they needed to know, we could give them additional resources that they could go and dive into if they wanted to, to help them to implement it. But just a word of warning, if you are going to do that, just make sure that everything has to be really relevant. Don't just shove in stuff Mm. for the sake of it. It needs to be relevant to whatever it is you're teaching or saying. And then the other thing that we did was we made sure that it was really easy for people to attend this live training. Like Laura said, we are all busy people. We get distracted so easily and we forget things all the time. (laughs) And we didn't want people to forget and miss out. So 
we set up some processes to make sure that people were reminded that they could attend these all this list live training. So we had um, a pop-up Facebook group where people could go and ask questions and everything. But in that group, we had pre-scheduled content that went out on the days of the calls with the links. People knew how they could go and get into the calls. We sent out emails one hour before the call and 10 minutes before the call with the joining link. We also sent out feedback requests every single week after the call. And later in this episode, we are going to share a really simple way that you can automate that because we automated all of that. It took us less than 10 minutes to set it up and you can do that as well. So keep listening. We'll share that in a little while. Okay. So that's kind of how we did it or why we did it, but how, how did we sell it? How did we get bums on seats? Well, I think maybe we should just kind of go back a little bit and talk about, because part of our sales process was actually that discovery period of finding out what people wanted. So we surveyed our audience and we'd survey our audience all the time, but we did this to really understand what it was that people needed, but also what they wanted, what their goals Mm. were. We wanted to really understand where they were at at this point in their business. So we surveyed our cold audience, we surveyed our warm audience, and we surveyed our existing customers. And I would definitely recommend that you do this, um, just like kind of dive into what what people are doing. So that was like our starting point, wasn't it? Which was eye-opening actually, wasn't it? It Mm. was so useful. I'm so glad we did that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I highly recommend doing that. Okay, so in terms of surveying our audience, like how is best to survey your audience? So should we share how we did that? Yeah. So, and there's there's so many ways that you could do this. All of the social media platforms have got ways that you can survey your audience. You can put out a poll. You can just ask a question. um, You can send a message to people. You can use that little sticker uh, box on Instagram stories, for example. So do all of that. But you can also create like a proper survey. We used Typeform, I think, didn't we, Mm, for our survey. And there's loads of different things you could use. You could use Airtable or Google Forms or whatever. But you need to be really clear on what it is you want to know. Don't just ask questions for the sake of asking questions. Really like think about what it is you need to know. One of them is probably what somebody's goal is so that you know that what you're creating is going to help them to achieve that goal or that objective. And just keep asking people. Don't just put a survey out once and then be disappointed because only three people have replied. Keep putting it out, keep putting it out and keep asking in different ways because some people will answer a survey. Some people will reply to a story. Some people will reply to email. People are all different, aren't they? And I don't think if you're thinking about asking like on social, like a poll, you don't you don't just have to ask. I'm thinking of doing a four week program about this. Are you interested? Yes or no? Because obviously that there's nothing necessarily wrong with that question. But there are much deeper questions that you could ask to really understand what it is that your audience needs. Because quite frankly, if you don't get to those knit to the nitty gritty then you're probably not going to create a course that people are going to buy. So it's so important to to really understand what your audience needs and, and then you can decide how or whether even if you want to, how you can kind of respond to that need. Um, but just waking up one day going, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to create a four-week program on how to use Instagram. It's like, well, to who? Why would mm-hmm. they take it? Like, what are they going to gain from it? Where are they at now? And what kind of transformation are, are you proposing that you're going to be able to give them? And 
you know, so don't just think of it of the face value of I'm going to do a course. Does anyone want to buy it? You you really want to ask some more kind of, I was going to say more personal questions, but like deeper questions to really understand you where your audience are at. Sometimes quite personal questions, aren't they? So like on our survey, one of the things that we discovered was that most people who took the survey were making around two and a half grand a month, but their goal was that they wanted to make five grand a month. And if we hadn't asked those questions, we could assume that they're already making five grand and they want to make 10 grand, in which case our whole program and our whole messaging would have been off. Yeah. Or we could have discovered that they weren't making any money at all, in which case we yeah. needed to help them to make like win their first client. So just by doing that survey helps you make sure that you are positioning your course right, you're delivering the right things. And the, and the course was 100% responsive to those answers. It wasn't mm. a, we want to do this, so let's no. go and survey our audience and then see what we can kind of mash together. It was a case of let's go survey our audience. Like Obviously, we had a rough idea that there was a need. That's why the conversations between us started. But we would not make any kind of preconceived ideas of what that would look like until we had done this work. And um, it's just, I can't stress enough how important it is to really understand that or not because you don't want to waste time creating something that actually no one needs and no one wants to buy. Yeah. And this survey actually will give you a list of people who will buy it because they're they're telling you what they want. So that's like your first step in selling it is identifying what people want, but actually who are those people? So try and avoid anonymous surveys wherever you can. You want to try and get some of, you know, the contact details of these people so you can make sure you can go back to them. And that would be step one, go back to the people who you know that this is going to be suitable for and literally make them the offer. You know, I'm doing this program. You've kind of self-identified that this is right for you. Do you want the information? Um, and literally sell it to them straight, you know, easy. We also, based on all of this information, were able to segment our list. So we know, we knew who, who kind of fell into the right brackets for what we were doing. Um, so that was really useful as well. So one lesson we did learn is we were, we were too keen with our ads, weren't we? Um, and this is like, we've just said, you know, you have to, pay attention to what people are saying on these survey results but we bolted probably a bit too early with our ads campaign with an assumption of what we thought the issues our target audience were facing so we had some ads running running for a lead magnet thinking these were going to bring in the perfect people and although fortunately we weren't spending like mega bucks, but we were spending enough for it to hurt slightly. <laughs> and then the results came in of the survey. It was very different, wasn't it? We weren't, they yeah. were not aligned. Um, no. So, the, so yes, we'd bought some great new leads into our business, but we had nothing to offer to them. And so they've now gone into our kind of ecosystem and that's fine. And we, you know, we have all our other processes and emails and blah, 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 blah. So it's not completely a loss, but if we'd have waited, if we'd have waited for the results of that survey, we could have probably been a bit more strategic about that ad campaign and, and changed our lead magnet to be more aligned with the people that we needed once we knew more about that following that survey. Yeah, definitely. That it Because it turned out that like if we'd have had this 5k program now, that lead magnet doesn't align with the 5k program no. we wouldn't run it no. because we hadn't done that work yeah so so don't 
don't bolt like we did. We told you we yeah. were going to share it all, <laughs> warts yeah. and all. Yeah, so that was a, a bit of a mistake. But if anything, that just, you know, to just to reiterate, that does really highlight how important it is to truly understand your audience. And we feel like we've got a good grip on who our audience is and what they need. But it was just that little small gap that we missed, yeah. wasn't it? It was just that slight misalignment mm. that actually meant that we spent money running ads to a lead magnet, which weren't bringing in the people who were then necessarily going to buy that course, which is fine. You know, we've learned, we've learned that we know that we've now got, as, as you say, we've now got this brilliant four week program. And so we now know how we can kind of build up to that and grow our list ready to sell that again. So it's, it's you know, not, not all is lost, but you know, it just highlights the importance of doing that survey. Yeah, not not being too keen. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of actually selling your four-week program then, once you have decided that you're going to do one, you're going to do your survey, you might run ads, you might not, who knows, depends on, on what your business looks like at that point. But one thing that you definitely do need to do, and I've already said, like, go direct to those people who, who need it, but you need to promote it with a strategic launch plan. There's no point creating something and just expecting that people are going to come and knock on your door and go, hi, I'm here to buy your four-week program, because that's not how the world works. You need to have a specific promotional period, don't you? And we've spoken mm. about launches on the podcast before, but that's how you get people to buy in a specific amount of, you know, a specific time period. And one of the most important things you need to have is a deadline. And it can't be a deadline that's six weeks from now. <laughs> Because that's too long. Yeah. Um, it, it needs to be like a, a short period of time. Yeah. You need to go all in, don't you? And, mm. and and there is no point just putting a post on social saying, I've got a new course, here you go, buy it. Mm. Like life is not that easy, unfortunately. And if it was that easy, we'd be rolling around on a beach in the Somewhere Maldives. We, we wouldn't yeah. be on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't be just, sitting in my freezing cold office right now. <laughs> yeah, it's just not that easy. And then, and a mistake we see people make quite a lot is that they go, they either, well, they either go, I'm not going to launch, I'm just going to put a few posts out there and see what happens because they're nervous. And I, I get that, but the only way you're ever going to really know if something's a hundred percent worth it is if you go all in on it. Mm. Um, but the other mistake we see people make is that they go, okay, so I'm going to do a launch. And then suddenly they'll email and they'll get, or they'll post on social and they go, right, my cart is open. I'm now selling this. And there's been no build up to that at all. So that kind of strategic launch campaign, we're not just talking about what content or emails or ads or what have you, you're running when your cart open or that promotional period is, is active. You need to be really strategic right up into the build up of that launch. And I cannot stress enough how important that is. You know, you need to be considering the, your numbers, really. It is a numbers game to a point that not everybody in your world is going to buy. You're never going to get 100% of people buying your, you know, your programs or, or anything. You've, you're, you're always going to have more, you should always have more audience than you're expecting to, to actually convert. Um, so that getting in front of new people should should be hugely part of that build up to any launch yeah definitely and I imagine that people are probably listening thinking well hang on a minute why are you talking about selling something you haven't even talked to me about how I'm going to create this thing 
And there's a reason for that. Mm. And that is because you should sell it before you create it. Like we sold this course before we had put a single pen on paper and written the first line of the course. You need to sell it before you create it. Because what if you spend weeks creating a program and no one wants to buy it? A massive waste of time. You'd be gutted. Absolutely devastated. And there's actually a couple of benefits to selling it before you build it. Firstly, obviously, as we've said, that you you can then see that people actually want it. But it also means that you can tweak the program as you go. So we did like an onboarding survey. So we really got to grips with the people who were on it, what they needed. And then every week we asked for feedback so we could see where people were struggling. We were listening to the questions that people were having. And we could then tweak what we were doing the following weeks to make sure that the program suited those people and, you know, gave them what they needed. If you've pre-recorded it all, you can't do that. There's no opportunity no. for tweaks. So definitely sell it before you before you build it. I think it's worth saying, though, that it's not easy, is it, to do it this no. way. You do have no. to have cleared the decks. <laughs> like we were literally, we were one week ahead, if that yeah. really. We were mm. kind of working on the At following point, week. we were a couple of days ahead, weren't we? Because William's <laughs> school, William couldn't get to school on the days yeah. we were supposed to be planning. And we were like literally a couple of days ahead, which wasn't yeah. great. No, no. And the like the last time we did this, when... Um, our social proof course which is our social media marketing course I had COVID um (laughs) it can be quite stressful but we knew we would we knew we would be okay it does obviously Mm. help in this instance that there's two of us so if anything did go completely peak tong we have got the other person but you know you need to know your capabilities um but I cannot stress really that if you spent all this time creating a course you ignore your kids for a few months as you build it and then no one buys it. It is soul destroying. And we work well and we thrive under pressure. And so to us, we probably do our best things when we're under pressure like that. So it's a good thing for us. If you're not that type of person, then that doesn't mean that you can't do it this way. You just need to give yourself a bit more time. So you sell it and you'd say we're starting in two weeks so you know you've got a couple of weeks to just get ahead and you build it whereby the the lives are you know are are easier to to deliver and or you the topics that you're covering are stuff that you know that you're able to just pull together do be cautious but it's totally possible to do it even if you're not someone who thrives under pressure yeah definitely we delivered all of this on zoom didn't we which was made it really easy I think that's one thing that puts people off um, creating some sort of program is that they think they've got to pre-record it all and how do they do that and how do they get an editor and all of that stuff. And you don't need to do any of that. You can just keep it really easy. We just delivered it on Zoom. Um, Laura and I obviously live on different ends of the country. So we used Ecamm to share our slides so that we could both be in charge of our own slides. But you don't need to do that. You can just use the share screen option inside Zoom if you're sharing slides. You can just keep it really, really simple. But just a couple of tips just to make it easy. Don't forget to record it. <laughs> That's really important. Press record. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you think you're going to forget to record it, literally press record as soon as you open the Zoom because you you can crop off the beginning and the end. If you want to use those recordings, and you probably will, so plan for using those recordings, get people to save their questions until the end. Don't answer questions that are in the chat throughout your recording. Look at them at the end and start off your Zoom um, call with that 
piece of housekeeping when you're telling people stay on mute, you're telling people to save their questions to the end so that people know what's going to happen. I think it just makes for a much better learning experience, doesn't it? If everyone knows where they're at and what's coming. And so one thing that we always do now is that we we start off these trainings with like a roadmap where we introduce what we're covering. And we're like, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this, then we're going to do that. And then at the end, we close with a recap. So we're like, right, this is what we've talked about. We've done this, this and this. So that you can remind people what they've learned so that they come off of this call and they don't think, oh, what were we talking about at the beginning? Because you've just reminded them. Yeah. So it kind of just makes it a nice experience. If you can build into it some implementation time, I do think that makes a difference. I think people are more likely to see progress if you can build in that implementation time. And obviously that is going to vary depending on what your topic is. Um and just remember the different ways that people learn. So some people will learn just by reading stuff. Some people will learn from listening to things. But some people like me, I learn by doing. So if I'm on a course and someone's teaching me, I don't know, Instagram reels, I would want to have time very quickly, if not during, to be able to go and press those buttons and do the things that I've just been told to do, because that is when I'll learn how to do that thing. And we're all, there's three types of ways in which we learn. And those are the three. So try to accommodate those by allowing those people who are doers to be able to to do the do. Just remind me what those three were. So there's uh, people, there's special words for them and I can remember what they are. So there's the people who read, and there's the people who listen and then there's what's called the kinesthetic. I can remember that one because that's me. And that's the people who learn by doing. Nice. That's a good tip. Thanks. Also with those replays, you can you can use that, what Laura's just said in your replays. Um, we use Searchy for all of our replays. And if you can put all of those videos into a Searchy hub, you can automatically give people the audio, the video and the transcript so they can read. So that'll yeah. make that really quick and easy. So on that note, then with your replays, you can actually make your content suitable for all of those people, whether they read, watch, listen, and you can do that in Searchy, which is brilliant because it will give you the video, it'll give the audio, it'll give you the transcript, and it'll also make it accessible so that anyone who's got any accessibility needs can still access your training if they need, you know, like a uh, captions on the videos and what have you. Uh, we'll pop a link for that in the show notes. But if you go to the twolauras.com forward slash searchy, you can check that out. Okay. So you can also have a pop-up community. This isn't, you don't have to do this. Plenty of people don't. Um, but if you feel like people are going to bounce ideas around and learn from other people or having some way of having them being able to talk to one another. So a Facebook group is a natural one for, for our people and that always works quite well, but there will be other platforms that people might prefer to do, but have a, you know, weigh up the pros and cons because that you're going to have to moderate that group as well. So there's good and bad reasons to have one. So just make sure that they're relevant to your uh, business. Yeah. Another tip really is about constantly reminding people we are all busy people. So it's good to constantly be telling people that the call's coming up, um, give them the links, um, make sure people have everything they need to be able to access what you're giving them. Remind them that there's a replay. <laughs> <laughs> yes I feel like I need that other t-shirt <laughs> yeah there will always be a replay um 
And you might think, oh, well, hang on, I've told them this once, but we're all so busy. Like, and sometimes we need that helping hand, don't we? (laughs) When we're having a busy, manic day. So yeah, definitely try to keep telling people, keep providing people with those links and everything that they need. So we said that we would share a really simple way to automate this. So if you are multitasking and you've kind of zoned out a little bit, just come back into the room because you're probably going to want to hear this. So we use a tool that is called Luma. It's L-U-M-A. if you just put that into Google. This is what we use to automate all of this. So in Luma, and this is free, by the way, you can just set up an event. You can set it up with recurring times and dates. And Luma will automatically send your registrants, is that the right word? The people who've registered um, an email and it will send them an email an hour before. It'll send them an email 10 minutes before with the links to join your Zoom or wherever else it is that you're hosting it. And afterwards, it will send an automatic request for feedback. And you can literally set that up in less than 10 minutes, even if you are not techie. So that link again is Luma, L-U-M-A. Highly recommend it. Um, it's just a, such a brilliant way as well afterwards to get that social proof. Um, and social proof, as you know, is really, really important. So one last tip on this is when you're running your program, set up a waiting list so that people who are seeing the social proof that you're gathering via Luma, that you're sharing on your socials, because you will share it on your socials, right? People who are seeing that and who are seeing all the people talking about your program can get on the waiting list so that next time you decide to do it, you've got a whole list of people that you can go and sell to. Just make sure as soon as those doors close, you set up a waiting list. And yeah, hopefully that's a, a good little tip. Nice. Love that. Okay, so let's just round off by talking about some of the tech that we need when we're delivering a four-week program. And I think this is what people like panic about. Um, not all, because some of us are quite techy. When I say us, I don't fall into that category. But um, <laughs> but other people are kind of put off by that, and it doesn't need to be, does it? So what no. are the really just basic, simple things that we need to be able to do this? Okay, I'm going to give you four tools you can use. Zoom, easy. You can record. You can have people on your Zoom. You can record it live. Searchy, which I talked about earlier. So you can put all of your replays in there. Um, that will give you a transcript and all of that stuff. Luma, which is L-U.M-A. That is where you can have people register for these calls. So they'll automatically get those emails and those feedback requests. And then the final one I'm going to say is Google Docs, because I think people really overcomplicate their workbooks and their worksheets. They try and make these fancy PDFs and then they want to make them fill inable. Um, that's not the official term, <laughs> but, you know, so that people can fill them in. But if you just create a Google Doc, everyone can write in a Google Doc. It's just easy. Like, just keep life simple. There are tons of other tools you can use. And we have put them all into a really handy little download that you can go and grab. Um, if you want to go to grab that, go to the twolauras.com forward slash course tech. That's course tech. And we'll put the link for that in the show notes as well. Um, and that'll just give you some other handy, t- handy tools. But I think those four, if you've got those, you can crack on and you can go and deliver your four week program or however long you want your program to be. Amazing. So I'm excited to hear what people are going to do now. I know. And it is worth saying, actually, that lots of the people that came on our 5K programme are already launching new and exciting um, 
group programs and offers within their business and it's just really exciting to see like I love that variety that we're now seeing and how people are thinking really creatively about how they can help their audiences so um, that's very exciting so if you want to know more about our 5k program just head to the link in our show notes or you can go to the two laurascom forward slash 5k and that's the number 5k Perfect. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, see you then. Bye. Bye. Toodle pip. <laughs>